Hello and welcome to Annersbrook Church. We hope that this message from our lead pastor, Graham Hislop, both empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annersbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Part three, 10 things Christianity isn't. Someone said, why do you have to talk about what it isn't? Why don't you talk about what it is? And it's very, very simple that uh, pretty much we have a mass misunderstanding going on in the world. Back in Acts chapter 11, verse 26, it's the first time the word Christian is ever used in the Bible. The first time it's ever used isn't by Jesus and it's not even by his disciples. It was by a community who weren't yet disciples of Jesus in a place called Antioch. And they referred to Christians at the disciples, followers of Jesus, is the first time ever as Christians. And if you look up the word in the Greek, it literally means two things, has a double meaning. The first thing it means is that they're just followers of Jesus. And that's pretty simple. They just, these people who weren't part of following Jesus were trying to find a name for this new thing breaking out. Oh, they're followers of Jesus. And then the second thing that the word means in its inherent meaning is little Christ. That they said that what we've heard of Jesus and what we've seen of Jesus, even though we might not be following him yet, looks just like Jesus. So this group over here, these people in Antioch said, they're just like little Jesuses. And that's all it meant. That's all the word Christian meant. But what it means now is not that. If you hear the word Christian, it can mean all sorts of things. On my gram, um, Instagram, I got people to tell me what they thought the word Christian meant, either from their perspective or their friends. And there was some real full-on stuff not just follower of Jesus and not just little Christ. It was like, you know, judgmental, bigoted, you know, aggravating. Um, all sorts of very positive words there, you know. It was really good. People are into behaviorism. So what I'm, what I'm letting you know is on our podcast, you can find some of the 10 that we're talking about. You can find but Christianity is not just behaviorism. Behaviorism being that if you behave this way, then you're in. And if you behave another way, you're out. Because a lot of people think that's Christianity. And that is not what Jesus uh, communicated. And that is not how it works. You can find that on our podcast. You can find last week, Christianity is not just made up. How good was Jared? Unbelievable. Uh, Kumbaya. And then uh, you can also hear, I did one in the city last week called Christianity is not just a crutch. And so I talk about that whole mentality that people say it's just a crutch for, for people who are real weak-minded and weak-willed. And uh, so I deal with that. It's on the podcast so that you'll find a few. This morning, I want to deal with this one. It's going to be a lot of fun. I want to deal with the thought that Christianity is just a set of external rules, just a set of external rules. And I really want to um, lean into it. I, I kind of want to touch around it. I don't want that to be the main driver. I want to deal with another issue amongst that that I think really we need to talk about. And it comes from Luke 17. And Luke 17 is one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Hold my horse while I get on. And so the Gospels are about the life of Jesus. And Luke in particular is from the disciple, you guessed it, called Luke. And he's writing to his buddy called Theophilus, Hippopotamus. And Theophilus, Man, you guys are way too old. What is wrong with you? You need to listen to Flight of the Concords. Anyway, uh, Theophilus wanted to know whether this gospel, whether this Jesus thing, whether this, this kingdom of God had come. So Luke wrote that entire book just for Theophilus. Isn't that cool? Did you know that? Did you know that that's what the letter was for? And now it's been compiled. What does the word Bible mean? Anyone? 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 It means library. 
Bible just means library. It's just the books of, of the witnessing documents about who God is in Jesus coming together. That's all Bible means. But in the Scriptures, we find truth, the truth. Not just ideals, but the truth. We can finish in prayer. That was brilliant. Really was. It was amazing. Luke chapter 17. Now, when Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here or see there. One translation says, It's over there or over there, here. For indeed, Jesus says, This is Jesus speaking, the kingdom of God is within you. 2020, the kingdom of God is within you. I want to speak today about the inside out life. The inside out life. I want to talk about it. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Just ask you to fall and to move in this place and speak to our hearts and open our eyes, open our ears. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. My wife, Rebecca, and I are married to one wife. Got five children. No reaction. Okay, that's fine. Uh, I, I mean, I feel like it's a lot. You know, I just feel like I'm barely managing. But anyway, we've got um, these five amazing kids. And um, Rebecca and I got to enjoy a night away together this last weekend. Yeah, it's great. Weird. Whistling at someone's night away, but that's cool. And so we, we went away. We went away to a place called Araroa. Awaroa. Awaroa Roa. And it was really cool. We had a great time. We were a bit shocked to find out that we were gifted this night away by a, a group of people because I turned 40. And, uh, but it just so happens to be our 22nd wedding anniversary coming up, which means I got married at 18. I was barely legal and barely an adult. <laughs> so good. <laughs> anyway, um, still am barely an adult as it appears. And so we went away and um, had a great time. We had a great time. And we had this meal. And as we were eating this meal, I ate, um, do you know that, I, I have a little bit of a beef with mescaline, you know, the types of lettuce that's come out. You know, back when I was a kid, we didn't have these types of lettuce, these unusual, I mean, what is it, a leaf? You know, it could be a garden weed, no one knows. But someone smart branded it and put some balsamic on it and we're good. You know, you could just eat anything. You could eat lawn clippings if you put balsamic on it. Seriously, you really could. I bet it will be cool pretty soon. So anyway, um, Anyway, I was eating, and this, this does happen from time to time, and I don't know, I need medical advice, but uh, I'm looking, I'm actually looking for a doctor now, but he's not here, I don't think. But anyway, um, my gullet, no, what is it? Yeah, that's right. So my throat and my gullet and my um, mouth, I'm not sure, that might be a weird shape. I don't know. I need to get it checked. Because, what? That's not a joke. I'm telling you about my anatomy. And so as I, um, as I eat this stuff, I often eat uh, food, I start, what? It's not a joke. I'm burying my soul and you're laughing at me. And as I eat um, this food, I often have these incidents. And the incidents are that these mescaline, because often they serve, it's cool now to serve the mescaline with stalks. And so I start chewing, but the stalk's not very easy to get through. And so I, I go to um, swallow the food and the, and the stalk gets caught halfway down. And anyone had this? Okay, so it happens to me once or twice a year in a serious, no, in a serious episode. And so it happened again the other night and it reminded me of a story. We were down a couple of years back in Christchurch and Rebecca was catching up with her friend. 
and her friend and her were talking and I thought, I'm going to leave these girls to get out their 10,000 words a minute and they can like catch up. So where did I go? We were at the Christchurch airport. Where did I go? You can forgive me because I went to Burger King and I went and got a Whopper and I actually rate the Whopper burger. I, I rate it more than a Big Mac. I really believe the flame grilledness is awesome. However, I think Burger King order all the worst bits of lettuce around the world. I think they do. I think that's what happens. And in the burger, you look, you go buy one later and you will see long strands of lettuce. That someone got a giant lettuce and just chopped long strands into it. And in the burger, I went to eat. And so I went, I, I got the burger, I went back down to where the girls were talking, 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 talking. And I'm just eating the burger and suddenly this bit of lettuce gets stuck halfway down my throat. Now, I knew what was happening because of my issue I told you about and you laughed at. And as I started to choke on it, um, I've got the bit of lettuce out the top of my um, throat. I've got it going down, trying to reach digestionville. And then I'm starting to have that gagging, choking reflex. And I just think, okay, I've got to calm down because I've got to breathe. And I'm struggling to breathe. And I don't like struggling to breathe. Do you? (laughs) Yeah. And I'm struggling. That's right. And I'm struggling to breathe. And so I just thought, okay, I've got to do something. Now, the little bit of information just to hold on to here is I did have quite a mouthful of Whopper Burger at the time. I'm sorry. You're like, I didn't come to church for this. I don't care. And so I'm, I'm eating, and I just think I've got to be smart. And so I go to grab the bit of lettuce because I, I'm like this now. I'm trying to breathe because I feel like I'm choking. And I just go to reach in to get the bit of lettuce right back with my hands, okay? Because that's what you want to do. You just want to get it out because I couldn't, I couldn't fix it myself. And I am not kidding. A sneeze came. <laughs> oh, Jesus, take the wheel. And there I am. And I, just, and, I just, and I couldn't do anything. I couldn't shut my mouth because I was trying to breathe. And I just sneezed. And the good news is it delodged the lettuce. It delodged my mouth full. But the bad news is it delodged it onto Rebecca's friend. I know, I know. And I didn't realize I was facing her. And she was covered in Whopper Burger. So I'm looking at her going, oh, I am. And then I look at Rebecca and she just has this look of disappointment. Every other day of our marriage, you know, that's pretty much, that's pretty much our look. And, uh, and it's a true story and it was embarrassing. And every now and then I still apologize to her for it uh, because I felt real bad. But it's actually an important lesson and it's just a real simple lesson. It just goes like this, really. Um, what's inside of us, guys? It's, it's what's inside of us that really counts. Yeah, really counts. I know that's a bit of a stretch for an illustration, but it, but it is true. Some of us here today, we're, we're living our lives with good intentions. As best as we can, we're human. We're not perfect. We're living our lives with good motives. As best as we can, we're not perfect. We're human. But the majority of humanity, and I do this as well, don't, don't miss this bit. We seem to live outside in. We seem to live external in. That's what we seem to do. We easily let external dynamics determine our internal disposition. Did you get that? We often let external dynamics determine our internal disposition. We do do that. Rather than letting our internal disposition determine our external dynamics. You can't change everything in life, but you can change how you respond to it. And we're not alone in that. For many millennia, this has been going on. 
after Abraham's journey of faith, which is in the book of Genesis, he was relating to God and he was following God and he's on an adventure with God purely by trusting and believing in him and just following every day, step by step. And from him, God said that a great nation would come and a great people. And actually what we didn't know was that was gonna be us, those who were believers in Christ were gonna come from the seed of Abraham. So he was gonna be just by following God himself from his heart and by faith, believing by faith. So he was really, I guess, living an inside out kind of life. He was living, trusting God. He had moments with God, these moments to find his life. And then he passed away. And after this father of faith, who was just living every day by faith, just like we're meant to do, after he passed on, the offspring had now grown massively, this nation of Israel, and they got into all sorts of trouble, all sorts of issues. And it went on and on and on, and suddenly they're caught in Egypt. They're in prison. A famine came, and they are now dependent on a whole other nation. And that nation has turned on them, and the nation has made them all slaves. So God turns up, and he provides a deliverer, because God is always about delivering and bringing salvation to people. That's God's heart. And so he chooses, as you would know, Moses. Moses feels totally inadequate. He feels like he can't do it. But Moses is the one through this inadequacy who leads the people out of Egypt. There's miraculous provision. There's the Red Sea. Because God's always trying to get us like Abraham, just to trust him and follow him. But they had gotten such a rut in slavery that they didn't know how to live by faith every day. So they are now out in this desert on their way to the land that God was bringing them back into. And they start bowing down to idols They start to grizzle and grump. They start to get into all sorts of issues. And the Bible says that Moses has a couple of meetings with God in prayer going, I don't know. I do not know what to do with these people. I don't even know what to make of it. And so God gives Moses at this point in history, the Ten Commandments. Okay, two tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments. And these were gonna govern the people and, and, and help them to know what to do which was right. And every parent in the room who has tried a version of this, and we all do, like rosters for cleaning, rosters for making your bed and your jobs, rosters for the flipping dishwasher. If I come back out and the dishwasher is still totally full at leaving for work time, I will be like, who was on the dishwasher? And do you know the irony? It's written in the cupboard. It's written down. And yet even that guy does not do it. For some reason, in this human disposition, even though it's correct, you want rosters, you need to know when you're going to turn up, you need to know when you're on something, you need to know what's expected. Listen, um, whenever we try to live by external controls, we will disengage the heart. That should have got a bigger amen. Whenever you live with a predominant external control, you will always disengage the heart. Listen to what Galatians says was going to happen to the law. Galatians 3, dear brothers and sisters, here's an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, and that's what the Ten Commandments were. If you obey them and follow them, God will bless you and protect you. That's the agreement. Um, You can't do that. So God gave his promises to Abraham and his child. And notice that the scripture doesn't say to his children as if it meant many descendants. Rather, this is really important, God's putting his promise on a person. And that, of course, was a shadow of Christ. So when God sent Jesus, there was going to be something greater, what? Than the law. Greater than the Ten Commandments. That's what that means. This is what I'm trying to say, Paul says. The agreement God made with Abraham could not be cancelled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. 
So he's saying before the law, there was faith. And before that, there was relationship with him. And God was holding, even though the Lord came, to that reality, to internal reality, not just external. For if the inheritance could not be received by keeping the law, I repeat, you can't receive the promises of God by obeying all of the Ten Commandments. That's what it's saying. I'm unpacking it for you as we go. Then not by, would it not be the result of accepting God's promise? Of course. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. The only reason the law was given was to show you what holiness really looked like. And in that, to bring you to the end of yourself. In another book of chapter of Galatians, it says that if anyone fails even at one commandment, they have failed them all. That actually means God's saying the purpose of the law was to bring you to the end of your own striving, your own works and your own efforts to try to get blessed and protected by God. Now, what was God going to do? He carries on in the same chapter. Is there a, uh, now there is a mediator who is helpful, more than, more than helpful. God, who did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham, there's a conflict between God's law and God's promises? No. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But the Scriptures declare that we are all prisoners to sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus. What that is, is a summary that no matter how many commandments you put in place, no matter how many laws, no matter how many external rules, there's something that is greater. Faith in Jesus Christ. The whole law was about bringing us to the end of ourselves to realize that we needed a Savior because we could not reach holiness. And he fulfilled, Jesus, Jared said it, fulfilled the law and to launch the world into grace to realize that we're no longer slaves to the external, but we could be free on the inside. Now I'm going to read one more passage because this is very interesting. Because this morning I just feel like God wants to take us to a deeper place on the inside. In Jeremiah 31, this is before Paul, that passage, and this is around the time of the law already being passed, Jeremiah the prophet turns up and says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, Lord, so God's speaking, where I'm going to make a new covenant. The law, the Ten Commandments, is known as the Old Covenant. I'm going to make a new covenant, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers. Moses is always known as a father of Israel, okay? When I led them by the hand out of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke, because they all thought they could keep it, but remember, the law is not to measure your perfection, but to show you the end of yourself that you would need a Savior. They all, they all broke it. He says this, This is the new covenant that I will make with them. I will put my laws in their minds, and I will write it on their hearts. And they will be my God, and I will be their God, excuse me, and they will be my people. No longer will someone say, um, know the Lord, for they shall know me relationship from the least of them to the greatest of them. This line that I want you to focus on is in verse 33. I'm going to put my law, and if you'd look at that word, translated, it means principles, precepts, the values, the culture, the ordinances, the ways of God. I'm going to put it on their minds, and I'm going to write it on their hearts. That's a, that's a prophetic utterance about what would happen when Jesus came. And this is exactly why more people don't get Jesus. Not just because of their spiritual blindness, but they don't get him because they expect him to bring external restraints to their lives. They're expecting some more commandments. 
They're expecting some more Ten Commandments. They're expecting more law. But you listen to this carefully. You're not going to find Jesus trying to control you from the outside in. You will never find Him trying to control you from the outside in. In fact, He would rather than control you from the outside in, He would rather let you go on in your folly and your mistakes and your rebellion and your sin to come to the end of yourself. Because He has never controlled a single person. He is not a control freak. He is not a master manipulator. He is a father. And a father knows the only way to get you to come back home is when your heart is engaged. It doesn't matter if it's on the cupboard wall and you know what you're meant to do. It won't work until it's on the inside of you. That's why if you had a weird auntie, a weird auntie who had the Ten Commandments laminated on the back of her toilet door, and why it was on the back of the toilet door, I have no idea. But this was very popular in the 80s. I remember lots of people's houses I'd go around to, and the Ten Commandments were there, and the Ten Commandments were there. And they missed the grace. They thought, well, we've got to balance law and grace. We've got to keep a balance, not too much grace, otherwise people will go wild. No, what will people will do if they receive grace is they will get righteous. They will be set free by the gift and the favor of Jesus. And it's just like a kid, when you heal the heart and the resentment, when you heal the inner world, the external world comes right. Did you hear that? That's flipping good preaching. That's why at Annisbrook, we're very, very slow to jump onto people's problems. Don't think we don't hear about them. We hear, hear about stuff every now and then, every now and then. But we don't jump on people because of this very thing. Because if we become the police around behavior, we revert back to the law. But if every Sunday we remind you that you are the righteousness of God through the gift of Jesus Christ, we're praying that you'll get it and you won't be manipulated and you'll grow from the inside out. Jesus said this. He said, listen, the kingdom of God is not just over in America. It's not just happening in London. It's not just happening in Africa. And it is in those places. And, and a lot of people live like this. They, they believe that God is everywhere but with them. They swear, they look at their lives and go, it's, it's too ordinary. You do your groceries on Monday. You do your budget on Tuesday. You go to the gym somewhere in between. You, you throw your lawn clippings in the green bin now. You know, you're just, you're doing it all right. It just feels way too ordinary for the kingdom of God. I mean, the kingdom of God for the Pharisees, they thought was gonna be flashes of lightning. And, and bolts of fire and all of that stuff. And you know, there are times where it manifests in amazing ways. But Jesus himself said this, don't say it's over there and it's over there. The kingdom of God is within you. That's the inside out life. So, so now we've moved on beyond the law in Jesus. Jesus is saying, there's something in you, the kingdom. And Jeremiah said, I'm going to write this kingdom and I'm going to write my laws. I'm going to write my ways on your minds and your hearts. So Jesus comes in, Colossians 1 says, that it's, it literally says in Colossians 1.27, that this mystery is that Christ lives in you. If you've put your faith, if you've started the faith journey, Jesus starts coming alive. He's coming alive in you. I can feel him here right now. And I don't know what you're feeling, but I know what I'm feeling. That's because he lives in me. I've, I've learned over the years how to tune into the inside out life. Try to ignore the outside in if I can. But he's writing on your heart. 
He lives in you. The kingdom of God is in you. It's, it's when you go to work, what a shame, eh, to spend your entire career thinking you're not in God's will and miss that God's kingdom is in you. The whole time you were sick of your work, the kingdom of God was in you. You've just got to let it out. So what is the kingdom of God? Romans 14 gives three tiny little hints. It's much more than this. But Paul said the kingdom of God is love, joy, peace, in the Holy Ghost, in, his, in the person of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Did you know that God has been writing on your heart, love, joy, peace? Do you know why you don't realize it? It's because you've just been so trained to think external in rather than internal out. What if you started your day with love, joy, peace, that he's been narrating a line, a script in your heart? What if you started the day thinking about what he said to you? What he wrote over you, it's in your heart. That's why Proverbs 4 says, guard your heart. Because out of it flows the issues of life. We're meant to live inside out. Uh, on Boxing Day, I had a, um, a, a drive to do. We bought a wakeboard because our other wakeboard had, well, kind of died. So my youngest brother, very youngest, brought my kids a wakeboard for Christmas. Very generous. So I found one on Facebook Marketplace and I went and I bought it. It was, I was going to meet them in Havelock. And when I asked all the kids who wants to come for a drive to Havelock, no one wanted to come for a drive to Havelock. And I want to prophesy something. No one wants to go to Havelock, but we need to go to Havelock. You know, we need to go through it. Sorry if you live there. But, but, I, but, it, but it was the Wongamoas and the rice saddle. And so I thought, well, it's Boxing Day. I'm going to get a wakeboard. I'm just going to, I, do you know what I thought? I thought, yay. I get some time to be with Jesus. Sounds very spiritual. I don't always think that, but I thought that. So I put on some worship, and I just began to worship. Where's the band? Come on, band. And I began to worship, and then I, um, then I began to pray for a bit. By the way, a little prayer tip. Um, if you worship for 10 minutes and prayed for two minutes, you get a lot more done because you're in the presence of God. You don't, prayer is not a ritual. It's not external in. It's internal out. And so anyway, I'm driving, and then I listen to a podcast about Jesus. I'm having a great time. And then somewhere over the rice saddle on the way back, I began to sense something on the inside, okay? This is what I sensed. It's not audible. It's different because the inside-out life, is, it's, it's, it's more solid than just hearing noises and crickets. Oh, that might have been something. It's not that. It's a knowing. And I don't know where it came from, but I just knew. This is, I'll narrate what I knew. Okay, ready? This is how I narrate it. Graham, you need to contact X. It's a person. I'm not going to name this person. And you need to meet up with them. Just out of nowhere. What you don't know is this person X can really hurt me quite badly. Um, they're not in this room. They're not from here. So it's all good. And, I was, and the person probably didn't realize how they'd hurt me. And in that knowing, I knew that actually I didn't need to make the meeting about that. I just needed to actually reach out. So I'm driving back from right and I feel so stirred on the inside, right? Just like, I've got to do this. I've, I come back and I tell Rebecca, she knows the context of X, okay? She knows the scenario. So I say, I feel like Jesus is saying to me that I need to make time to meet up with X. And she's like, really? 
I said, yeah, what do you think? She goes, go for it. So I send a text to X and then X replies and agrees. And then suddenly I just start doubting. I'm like, that was a dumb idea. What am I doing? Oh my gosh, this is terrible. External in. But I went back in this moment of like, oh my gosh, this is just like ridiculous. And I just settled myself down and I just remember rice saddle. No, the Lord put something in my heart that I need to follow through on. So I had the meeting and I didn't make it into anything else. I just did what the Lord told me to do. And at the end of it, right? Amazing the peace. Just bought, it just brought a peace to my life concerning X. I don't know what X felt, doesn't matter. That's not my responsibility. Stop trying to control people from the external in. Just live your life from the internal out without the need to control what your spouse is doing, control what your kids are doing. Control. You know, when we want our spouses to change, it's absolutely evident that it needs to start in us. It is. If you swear your spouse needs to change for your happiness, it's actually in here that needs to begin to shift. So anyway, we have the meeting. Peace of God comes to my life. And I swear to you, I don't know how you feel about this, but I'm just going to give you a little picture. On the way over to Havelock, God who lives inside of me got out his pen. Just started writing on my heart. You, space, should, space, catch up with. And then I always think Jesus talks to me in emojis. Love heart. And in my journals, I give him love hearts back. I do. I know. Wouldn't you like to see my journals now? Just wrote it on my heart and it wouldn't go away. And that's the Christian life, guys, from the inside out. Years ago, we sung a, used to sing this song and I'm nearly out of time. So I need to, I need to get, just touch on this. And then I'm going to, at the end of this, just tell you about this song and then I'm going I'm to say something to you. And um, I want you to go away this week and percolate on it. Because the Christian life is not trying to control you from the external set of rules. It's trying to liberate you from the inside. Amen. So years ago, we used to sing this song. Can you just bring up the lyrics, um, Danielle? And um, it was very popular, really, really popular song. It was huge. It was about 2006. Have you got a C and an F? Of course you do. Oh, a thousand times I've failed Still your mercy remains Should I stumble again I'm caught in your grace Everlasting Your light will shine When all else fades Never ending Your glory goes beyond Now this is the pre-chorus, you ready? Oh, oh my heart and my soul I'll give you control Consume me from the inside out Lord And let justice and praise Become my embrace To love you from the inside Sing that again My heart and my soul In my heart and my soul I give you control Consume me from the inside out Lord 
and let justice embrace become my embrace to love you from the inside out see right now just stay standing there's a there's a knowing that we've come together today it's kind of an external thing to do but we've come together today to go to the heart and I want to read you something and I want you to percolate on this this week since the day that I surrendered my life to Christ and since the day you surrendered your life to Christ, listen to this. Close your eyes for a minute. I have been learning and you have been learning how to access the heart. I'm gonna say it again. Since the day I surrendered my life to Christ, since the day you've you've surrendered your life to Christ, you have been learning and I have been learning. You ready? This is the key. How to access the heart your heart. And you will actually think, well, no, 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 I need to access the heart of God. No, you, you don't even have rights to go into the presence of God without His grace. His presence is coming to you. Now, what you need to do is access your heart. So when you lose your job, right, you need to go to the inside out. You need to calm things down. And you need to realize there's a treasure trove of wonder. God has been in there with a pen going, don't space, you space, worry. I've got it sorted, love heart. When, when your kids are going bananas on the outside and they're making choices you did as well, but you forgot about, <laughs> you need to go to the inside out. You need to quiet yourself. How do you access your heart? Doing things like we did today. Worship should not be reserved for a Sunday, guys. Can I hear a good amen? Worship is how you access the heart, yeah? Come on, the Word of God is an access to the heart because He's in there and He's writing His laws on your heart. You've got access into the Holy of Holies. You've got access into the answers. Where's the, where's the vo- look at this vocalist. Come out here, guys. Where is the presence of God? In, in heaven, but the kingdom of God, what? Is within you. So if you go inward out, you've got the presence of God. And there was a song we just sang. We trust you enjoyed this message. And if you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch. You can either visit our website or email us at info at annasbrook.co.nz. 